All right, and we're live. Uh, hello, and welcome everyone for the second official episode of the Sunday Night Drive Tech Podcast. I'm here with my co-host Noah again today. Noah, how's it going today? It's going great. It's another very nice Sunday night, and I can't wait to talk about everything we have to talk about. Awesome. And we're actually joined by another guest today, our first backseat driver of the podcast, Aaron. Aaron, how's it going today? Hey, Jake. It's going very well, man. Uh, thank you for having me on the show today. Honestly, a pleasure. We have a lot of great things to talk about today. We got some rumors with the Apple WWDC, their Worldwide Developer Conference, coming up here soon with uh, some leaks on iOS 13 and the iPhone 11. We got some news with some Microsoft things that Noah had done some research on. And we got some new tech deals, and we've got some updates to our previous problems from last week and some new problems to address this week. So let's kind of just get right into it here. All right, so let's kind of get into the tech deals. So first off, Noah, do you have a cool tech deal that you want to talk about here? Yeah, I got this TV that I found, and it is a very great deal. It's a 55-inch 4K TV. It's a smart TV with, I believe, Roku. It's TCL. It has a 60 hertz refresh rate, and that all comes in at $399. And I don't, I don't know about you, Jake, but I think that's a pretty great deal. Yeah, no, that seems really cool. I'm actually looking at it here myself. It looks like it's got three HDMI inputs, which is really nice to see. One USB, uh, a LAN port, coaxial in for obviously cable. Then we got a headphone jack, an audio video in, and then we've got an, actually an optical audio out, which is nice to see. Uh, get some better sound off that. It's got a nice 178 degree viewing angle, be able to see that from many different angles. And then it's actually kind of the big feature of it is it's HDR, Pro, Gamma, and the high dynamic range technology that it has built in. Um, with that nice wide color gamut, you'll be able to see a variety of colors and things. It, it should look really, really crisp. Right. All right. Aaron, Aaron, what do you think about the TV? Would you buy a TV like that? Yeah, it sounds like a really good deal. It sounds like it provided a wide range of usability with like, you know, different kind of devices and consoles or heck, it could provide quite a nice and crisp image as Jake put it. So I feel like it'd be a great deal. It it would really liven up any living room or any any room that you put that thing in. Ah, I completely agree. Uh, Jake, I think you have your own little deal that you found. You want to go ahead and talk about that? I do, Noah, actually. So one of the things that I really want to talk about here on these tech deals for a while now is actually the Pocophone F1. So it's not super new, but it's something that's just like I've always thought was such a killer deal. The flagship killer Pocophone F1, even lower than the OnePlus actually in price. Um, it comes in at about $309.95 on Amazon right now. So it actually has a Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 at 2.8 GHz and an Adreno 630 GPU with uh, with 6 gigs of RAM. And you can get either 128 gigs in storage or 64 gigs in storage. So still a very respectable amount of storage. It has also a 4,000 milliamp hour battery. And then we've got three cameras on here. So we have a 20 megapixel front shooter for face ID, selfie cam, everything like that. And then on the rear, we actually have two cameras. So we actually have one that is a five megapixel shooter, which is the secondary lens. And then we have a 12 megapixel shooter, which is the main lens on the back. The display on the phone is a 2246 by 1080. It's a full HD display with uh, 403 pixels per inch, 500 nits of brightness, 
1500 to one contrast ratio, super nice looking screen, honestly, on a phone that costs that little. It's available, I know, on T-Mobile and AT&T right now, but it is unavailable for Verizon and Sprint, unfortunately. So, Aaron, what do you think about this deal, actually? Well, suddenly I think I'm in the market for a new phone. Uh, I'm surprised that this phone hasn't been been talked about by the other like phone companies and other people as much compared to, say, the Samsung Galaxy or iPhones, for example. It sounds like it could really hold its own amongst these two. Right. It definitely can. And I think the problem that you know, people aren't jumping right on this is the fact that it's from, it's from Xiaomi. So they're a Chinese based company and they're like less in the flagship talk right now. So, you know, not, not everyone, they're not super popular. So not everyone's kind of jumping on that train right off the bat. No, what do you think about this phone? Uh, just to touch up on what uh, Aaron said, I, I think it really should have a little bit more recognition due to its amazing specs for the price. But I could see why People might not be talking about it yet, but hopefully it does come up to the front and it's uh, exposed a little bit more than it has been so far. Right, right. And it's actually even nice. You can get it in some cool different colors. We got a graphite black, a steel blue, Rosso red, and then we have an armored edition as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm, definitely, uh, I'm definitely thinking about maybe checking one of these out and, and seeing if I can get one of these for myself. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, uh, do you guys have anything else to talk about with our, with our tech deals here this week? I think that sums us up for the tech deals. Um, we had some pretty great deals this week, and I can't wait to see what we come up with next week. All right, let's kind of transition right into our next topic, our tech troubles of this week. So, Noah, you actually had some tech troubles this week. Yeah, Jake, uh, I had some pretty bad problems with uh, Windows 10 VM. I was trying to set up guest editions on VirtualBox, and for some reason, it would not download what I needed. And everything, every single time it tried, it would give me an error. And to fix that, I actually had to find the link that it was downloading from and then paste it into a, a Google Chrome tab and download it myself. And then, and then it all worked fine. But on top of that, 3D acceleration when using Windows 10 in a VM also caused a lot of graphical issues. And it was absolutely horrible. I had to turn it off. So if you're running a Windows 10 VM, I would say do not use 3D acceleration. I think that's about all I have for my tech troubles. But Jake, I think you have something to talk about. Yeah, I definitely did have a few different tech troubles this week. So I'll kind of jump back to my one from last week, my RSS trouble. We actually had some suggestions from our teacher, Matt, as far as trying to fix the RSS widget in WordPress. But unfortunately, we still were not able to fix it with those. We were trying to go through and allow override all on our Apache web server configuration and specifically for our root web directory, but that did not seem to fix the issue either. For right now, I still have linked our RSS feed on our site and you'll still be able to get to it and subscribe to it, but unfortunately that footer widget seems to still not be working quite correctly, so I still have to do a bit more research on that, see if I can maybe figure out what exactly is causing that maybe get in contact with DigitalOcean, as I was mentioning last week, see if that might help, but I haven't found a good solution for that yet. Actually, as far as this week, though, I do have a new tech trouble that I had this week. So I was actually going through installing Windows 10 19.03 on my laptop to be able to work with the sandbox some more, and for some reason when I was going through trying to run some updates on the machine, it was going through and it would fail every time. And it was basically saying that it just could not download updates for 
particularly this machine, it sounded like it was a hardware problem. And I did a bit of researching based on the error. And it actually turned out that it was a basically just a bug with this specific build of Windows 10 1903, where it didn't like external things being plugged in, like any external drives or any external devices, period. And I'd actually still left my bootable USB in from when I was installing Windows 10 1903. And as soon as I ejected that safely and went through and tried to run the update process again, it worked perfectly fine, went through, downloaded all the updates and everything. And then I went through and enabled the features that I wanted as far as the Ubuntu subsystem for Linux and the new Windows 10 sandbox, which we'll be talking about a little bit more here coming up in the next couple episodes. But yeah, I was able to kind of go through and finally, uh, finally figure that out. That was a bit annoying, but I'm, I'm glad I was able to figure that out so I could kind of report back on that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're recording right now on that laptop that you had troubles with, so and you must have fixed it pretty good. Yeah, no, it, it definitely went through, and I'm, I'm all updated now. All right, that's great. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and shift into our tech news for this week. And I'm going to start us off with some news from Windows. And this isn't necessarily the the latest and greatest news, but it's something I wanted to talk about. And it's the Windows 10 phone app, where you can now connect your phone to Windows 10. And they're, they're making some pretty decent progress on it. And one of the things I'm really excited for is the fact that in the app, I've connected my iPhone. And it said that they're possibly adding some more integration with iPhone in the future. And this could mean, you know, messaging from, from your desktop and receiving calls and such. And that's something I've always really wanted to do. I remember way back when I was trying to connect my phone to my desktop for this specific reason. And it's one of the things I'm really jealous of that Macs have is the ability to handle all your messaging and all of your calls right from your right from your Mac and not on your phone. And it's it's something that I'm really interested in and I hope it goes somewhere with Windows. Yeah, no, that actually sounds really cool. So what are like some of its really like good functionalities that it has right now? Well, you can download an app on your phone and that's how you use it to sync. And the best thing it has right now is you can open up a web page on your phone and with the press of a button, you can send that web page right to your laptop and it will open it up right there. The same page you were looking at or video and it's, uh, it's really nice to be able to have that kind of, you know, easy shiftability mm-hmm. instead of looking at something really cool on your phone and thinking, man, maybe I want to buy this, but you're going to buy it on your computer. And then you have to go through and find this long URL or go refind the item. Instead, you can just press a button and it'll send the page right to, mm-hmm. your, right to your desktop. So does it actually have any sort of like remote desktop type functionality? Because I know you were mentioning about like actually connecting to your machine. Yeah, so I don't see much of that yet. I might have overlooked it. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, being able to send web pages over and being able to possibly accept some sort of uh, contacts and calendar integration, mm-hmm. they don't have much else other than that. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, some upgrades in that department. So as far as actually, you said connecting different like messaging in some sort of way, like connecting messages and is it phone, accepting phone calls and things like that on your desktop? That's the number one thing I'm looking forward to. I believe Mm. an Android phone would have this functionality right now. Right. But, you know, with iOS and Apple, I think they're having maybe a little bit of issues doing that Mm -hmm. on Windows. So I, I can actually see some very uh, very keen similarities to KDE Connect, actually, 
and the Zorin OS Connect, actually, which is based on KDE Connect, and iOS as well, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, the integration of iMessage, and that'll, that'll be really nice, because I know that right now there's not as much connectivity between, you know, your Windows desktop and your phone, but being able to respond to those things and, and whatnot, there's some limitations in that ecosystem, but you're right, that'll definitely be nice to see. So, Aaron, do you have any comments on this uh, on this app? Well, pardon me for sounding like a visionary and a bit of a developer, but it sounds like Windows knows what they're doing. I feel like in the future they could definitely use different modes of integration and connectivity as well. Like, let's say you want to download music or maybe send pictures to people or maybe even download an app from a certain stores or whatever. I feel like it would be quite a useful tool. It would be it would be able to put Windows users like like me for instance in a better position against say Mac users or Apple users. So I feel like I feel like uh, Microsoft is really stepping in the right direction and I feel like this will allow allow them to really branch off and just give them more opportunities in the future for future PC to phone integration and connectivity. So I definitely agree. And so do you think to some extent it's almost to still make their make their mark on the mobile market where they didn't really make with the Windows phone? I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, who who do you know nowadays that says, oh, check out my Windows phone? I mean, it, it wasn't that big a success as it should have been, but I feel like this could be a way to to like cement the path and kind of fix the steps that they did wrong and just get back into that mobile market. I feel like it'll be useful for reaching out to the ever-expanding mobile market that's out there today. So, do you guys have any other comments on that or any other any other ideas to interject about about this app? Uh, I think I'm good. I'm a little skeptical only because in the future it currently is held on the Edge app on your phone, and that's the the application you use to link the two. And I'm a little skeptical. Are they always going to essentially, you know, force Microsoft Edge right down your throat like that? Uh, whenever you send tabs over from your phone to your computer, mm-hmm. it's not like it uses your default browser. It uses an Edge browser. It uses specifically Edge. I understand. So maybe we'll see some changes with that when Edge comes out with their new Chromium-based Edge in in the future here, but I'm not sure 100%. It sounds like definitely that it's going to be you know trying to push more of Edge, in my opinion at least. Yeah, they're really trying to uh, push back from Google Chrome and uh, Firefox, I believe, are the two mm-hmm. big ones. That, that's what it seems to be. All right. Well, that that's my only concern for that. So if you want to go ahead and shift, we have some ios stuff to talk about yeah we do all right so the apple worldwide developer conference coming up here in june it starts on june 3rd a monday until friday june 7th it's held in san jose california and this is when we expect ios 13 to be announced so right now we're on ios 12 and you know obviously to some extent it's getting a little stale not that obviously that it's bad or anything but you know we always just as consumers want to see the next big leap and uh, all the new features and things that are going to be coming out with ios 13 so i'm really excited to see that and i know noah as an iphone user you're probably also really excited to see that as well yeah absolutely ios 12 was uh, pretty nice i would say mm-hmm. uh, definitely am, a huge upgrade i'm really excited to see what they do with ios 13 
Definitely. So some of the biggest iOS 13 features that we're going to be seeing are really focused around the iPad, actually. So the first one being better multitasking on the iPad. So I know that in recent, we've seen a lot more iPads actually like replacing laptops and things. So we see iPads coming in in like Adobe and like Microsoft Word and things like that. You know, people are transitioning over to using an iPad instead with a keyboard or using an iPad with a stylus to be able to do those sorts of things. And there is multitasking right now on the iPad, but apparently with iOS 13, there's supposed to be more of a windowed view, which is something you're more used to using in, in Windows or in Mac OS, where you actually have different windows that you can kind of snap off to the side and be able to really multitask truly. What, what do you guys think about that, actually? Well, I know at my work uh, over the years, we have been transitioning from laptops to iPads, especially mm -hmm. for the teachers. Yeah. It's a really great thing to take attendance with. It's really light, and they can hold it right there in their hand. And that's why I think everybody's shifting over is just the easeability of an iPad. It's really light, and it's just small. And with most people, or at least a lot of people, having iPhones these days, you can charge it with just your iPhone charger. You mm -hmm. don't have, you know, multiple chargers for your laptop, your iPhone, your your keyboard. I don't know, stuff like that. You know what I mean? I agree. And I think actually something tied into what we were talking about earlier is just kind of compatibility in the ecosystem across all these different devices and things. So having an iPad is just really nice because you have that connectivity to your phone or to like maybe your MacBook or something like that. And it's just really, you're just able to really sync everything across all those devices. And I personally think that an iPad is probably simpler to use than say like a Windows machine or even a MacBook in my, in my opinion. And I think it's just really nice to be able to see that kind of windowed view. Aaron, what do you, what are you thinking about that? I feel like it'll definitely make the iPad a lot more usable for a lot of people who, you know, use them, who have been considering them for a while. Like you said, it could be easier for them to use it compared to, say, a Windows computer or even a MacBook. And I feel like there's a lot of a lot of versatility that could be used, especially with iOS 13 coming up soon. I'm like wondering if maybe ios will introduce snapping windows before mac os because i know right now and i think you know this too noah that mac os does not support snapping windows by default which is incredibly annoying yeah i i agree that is that is one thing i think is a pretty big flaw snapping windows is pretty important and regardless getting back on topic just seeing that integration and that multitasking view is I think is definitely gonna be really nice. I'm I'm hoping that that ends up being true. Another rumor we have coming in here is actually the dark mode. So we saw dark mode introduced last year in macOS Mojave, but being able to see that in, in iOS now, that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting because that's kind of all the rave now. I know that Windows introduced its dark mode, which as I mentioned last week isn't my favorite thing, but yeah, what do you what are you guys thinking about the the new dark mode and possibly iOS thirteen here? Well, personally, I, I'm a pretty good advocate for dark mode. It's much easier in my eyes. I feel like that'll be really nice for many different iOS users out there because, you know, who's going to want to stare at a super bright phone screen in the middle of the night or when they just wake up in the morning? That's just, that's just me personally. But right. I, I feel like it'll bring a lot to the table. Right. And I, that's a huge thing for me, especially like you said, when it's the middle of the night and you wake up all of a sudden and you need to check, you know, what time it is or something. 
and you're met with you know blinding screen uh personally i love dark mode i use it in just about everything i can and so now seeing dark mode come in ios 13 is a huge plus for me all right so another rumor we've got coming in here is probably the one i'm most excited about is mouse support uh in ios 13 for the ipad Kind of tying back into earlier, we were talking about multitasking and that more windowed view to be able to multitask a little more easily. Something I know that kind of Apple's been hit on by, you know, different developers and things is just not having mouse support in in their iPad, but, you know, expecting it to be a competitor with top-of-the-line laptops and things like that. And, you know, the iPad supposedly being the replacer of the laptop and I'm just glad that hopefully they'll maybe finally introduce the mouse support in that, and that I think that'll be really huge. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I'm having a mouse whenever you're working, especially on like that tiny iPad. Mm-hmm. It's great, and if you have a keyboard built in, you don't want to be touching the screen and then typing on the keyboard. Do you know what I mean? I definitely see the potential for that, and as I mentioned earlier. You know, with more people using the Photoshop and kind of the Adobe suite on on the iPad and then the Microsoft suite on the iPad as well, I just think you need a mouse. It'll it'll definitely increase the usefulness and the work that you can put into using an iPad, that's for sure. I say that they integrate mouse support into iOS, iOS 13 for the iPad, then they have themselves a competitor on the laptop market. That's that's my that's my take on that. I, I'll agree with that. I'll, I'll go with that. Having that mouse and then you know the iPad, it's really nice and slim, and you can put the keyboard on that. That it just snaps on these days. Mm-hmm. Um, they're really you know making a mark, I would say. And actually, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That'll be that'll be really nice to see. And then some other smaller rumors we have are spam call blocking, some better integration with that, uh, some RCS support. And then a bit of better authentication between your wearables and your MacBook and things like that. And then I think the biggest thing I wanted to get into with this is some updates on Apple's codename project, the codename project Marzipan, which is actually a collection of developer tools that Apple created and they announced last year at the Worldwide Developer Conference in 2018 to basically help developers to port applications from ios into mac os much more seamlessly and i believe it's supposed to work vice versa as well so essentially being able to develop an application for one platform and then be able to use those tools and port that over into another operating system aaron as a developer what do you think about that i I personally think that's that's huge i would agree with you there jake i know that developers have to always worry about making some applications or different projects that are uh, usable by different devices or usable by different platforms. So I feel like this will really be a big helping hand with doing that for iOS stuff specifically. Uh, I feel like developers will get a lot of use out of this new project, uh, Marzipan. I agree, definitely. And uh, there were actually some complaints before that the project was relatively clunky and seemed very unpolished. But I think that this year, hopefully it's it's rumored that they'll get some updates on this and maybe it'll be maybe it'll be like the next big thing. Well, aside from clunkiness, really, it's all about how functionally sound it'll run. So as long as it 
is able to work and as long as it does what it needs to do then we could see some really huge developments in the in the near future that's what i'm that's what i'm definitely hoping so before i end up forgetting about this i want to go back and actually talk a little bit more about ios 13 in that there's a new alleged updated list of devices that are going to no longer be supported actually everything from the iphone 6s and the 6s plus and all those down as well as the ipad mini 2 the ipad mini 3 ipad mini 4 all the way up to the ipad air 2 and the sixth generation ipod touch are all rumored to not have support for ios 13. noah as an iphone 6s user what are you thinking about this well iPhone 6s is pretty old now and I do think that at some point they have to drop support and with them moving forward so rapidly I would say I don't see it as too much of an issue but I can definitely see the issues here and I think I'll be looking for a new phone soon. (laughs) See here's where I'm going to disagree with you on this because I think this kind of sucks quite frankly. My iPad Air you know I only bought a few years ago and the iPad Air 2 and I think the iPhone uh, 6S Plus definitely still have the potential and the processing power to run this new operating system. I don't personally see why they wouldn't be able to run it. And of course, this is just a rumored list. So obviously, take this with a grain of salt. But I really hope that this doesn't end up being the case because this is the most devices that I have ever seen that Apple would drop support for in one of their new iOS releases. Yeah, that, that's pretty interesting too. That I, Again, they are just rumors, but why would they be dropping so many at one time is a question that I get in my little head whenever, uh, whenever I see that list that uh, you're currently looking at. But yeah, it's bad. And the iPhone 6 may actually have the processing power, but there could be other reasons that we don't know about yet for them deciding to drop so much at one time. That's true. And obviously we don't know all the inner workings of iOS 13 and and everything with that. Uh, Aaron, do you have any comments on this specifically? Mm, Well, I feel like some developers may either like or hate this depending on what their preferences are. I've done some uh, code development in uh, Xcode and there's different iPhone devices that you're able to test your programs and applications on. So if a lot of these phones from the 6S down are losing support for iOS 13, I feel like it might be a little bit of both sides from developers. Some developers might be joyful about it, like, hey, they don't have to worry about later model uh, iOS phones. And some developers might not like it, like, hey, why can't we continue developing apps for these kind of phones anymore it it may all just depend on what will be finalized for drop support so i guess we'll really just have to wait and see how the developer community uh responds to this and we'll obviously have to see whenever ios 13 actually is released so it'll be released at the worldwide developer conference obviously as it usually is in beta and then we'll really probably see it actually come into full swing in the fall whenever the new iphone is released so i kind of want to talk about that here real quick before we move into our next thing is the rumors for the iphone what we'll refer to as the iphone 11 just for simplicity's sake so it's rumored to have obviously the next apple chip the a13 chip it's still a seven nanometer chip it's rumored that they weren't able to actually complete the 
five nanometer chip quite yet, but obviously that's coming here in the future. I've looked at some of the renders for the rumored devices and they have a triple camera display, which is very unique, sort of organized in a triangle. It's a bit of a square on the back. Have you guys seen these renders yet? I saw uh, one picture. Uh, I thought it looked a little weird, to be honest, but I know people love their uh, nice, high-quality cameras, and Apple's just trying to market off of that. So here's actually a picture of what they look like, and I'm not a fan of this personally. No, it almost looks like a zigzag. You have the flat. Is that the flashlight in the top right? It is. So you have the flashlight, and then you have three cameras going going down in like a zigzag form. And obviously, we're going to see so many different iterations of this as time progresses. Because this isn't even really set to probably release until at least September. So we've still got how many more months away before we really see the final product. But this is what uh, this is what we're seeing right now. And then uh, on top of that, we'll just see some some of the usual releases in the new phones. So we're probably going to see what we saw last year with the three phones the regular phone and then the max phone which is the larger of the phones and then those two are basically the flagship models and then we'll have one more budget phone budget in in apple's terms being <laughs> probably eight hundred dollars and then that one will be a slightly less featured one and that one is actually only rumored to have two cameras on the back but yeah I, i'm excited to see whatever apple decides to come up with this year I, i'm not thinking it's going to be too different from last year i'm thinking it's going to be probably more of the same we'll see some small upgrades obviously rolling out with ios 13 and probably still going to see the three models as we saw last year yeah uh i actually had a little off topic a quick note how do you feel about the raised camera on the back of an iphone i think it was introduced in iphone 6 i am um, honestly so glad you asked that because i hate it <laughs> I, I do too i absolutely hate it i wish that the back of the phone was completely flush i agree and i believe my ipad air don't quote me on this because i'm not 100 percent sure but i believe it is actually flush on the back i know that personally i would rather have a slightly thicker phone if they were able to make the whole thing flush, but I know that obviously with the demands of many other iPhone users, they're probably looking more for a thinner phone rather than one without a camera bump. But I personally agree with you in that I, I hate that that extra little bump there. I would much prefer it to be flush. Yeah, uh, thanks. I, I really wanted to know that because on the iPhone 11, it looks like that bump is getting considerably larger. It definitely does. It is a huge like square piece is what it's looking like, at least in the in the renders here that we're seeing. And it definitely looks like it's going to stick out about as much as the iPhone 10 and the iPhone 10s did, but actually in a much larger area rather than just having the two cameras stacked on top of each other. It's taking up a much bigger space, which I think can kind of get in the way a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, well, I just wanted to get your thoughts on that real quick. That was a little off topic, but coming back into it. I actually want to get some of Aaron's thoughts on the on the camera bump thing as well here. Sure. Well, it does seem a little impractical. I realize that camera designing and some camera functionality isn't perfect these days, and I, I can't tell you how many commercials I've seen of Apple promoting their like multiple-angle cameras and how much they can capture in just a few seconds, but I feel like with the three cameras 
for the uh, iPhone 11. It looks a little silly, just taking a look at these renders here. But if Apple knows what they're doing, then they could definitely capture that market in the photography area, really. I mean, if I want to capture like three different angles of my food before I eat, then <laughs> that then hey, then all the power to me. I feel like they'll make it work somehow. I mean, sure, there may be some backlash here and there, but I mean, that's that's what you do when you have innovation. Don't. I mean, as long as they are able to capture a ton more detail in their photos, which I think they'll definitely end up be able to do, I think we'll eventually kind of grow on it a little bit more. All right, so I'd like to move into our last segment here, which is actually our capstone interview. So this is why we've had Aaron on the show today, and we're really excited to hear about his project. So uh, Aaron, I gave you a few questions kind of before the podcast to think about, and I kind of want to just run through them each and just really learn more about your project. So can you actually tell us what your project actually is and, and just like tell us really a bit about it? All right, Jake. Well, currently for my capstone project, I am creating a mobile application for uh, South Hill School of Business and Technology. They are a, a business school located in central Pennsylvania with uh, a state college, Lewistown and Altoona campus. Right now, I'm building an app that will be used primarily by students and administration for receiving push notification alerts and just for having tools in case of, say, like a, a snow delay or a certain event coming up. That way, everybody will be able to stay in the loop and just be notified of certain events that are upcoming. That's uh, that's really cool to hear. That sounds like a really, really cool project because I know that in the past, obviously, we've had snow delays and we just have the text messaging alert system. And I know that does not seem to be very reliable in case because i know that sometimes we'll get multiple texts so i'm really glad to see you taking the initiative as a developer to go out and be like you know i can make a better solution than whoever obviously is providing this service is offering and i'm just so glad to see that that someone's doing that and i think it'll be definitely very useful for the students uh in the future and for south hills in the future here I'm, I'm really glad to see you're working on that. Well, thank you, Jake. Yeah, and is that sort of your inspiration for this? Or what What exactly led you to want to do something like this? Well, there's a few factors, really. Like Jake mentioned previously, the current system that South Hills uses for sending alerts is an SMS-based system. So basically, you create a message. It gets sent out to different users who texted like a certain letter combination or whatever to the for example like 515151 number and it's pretty flawed because I talked to the director for the school and sometimes it can be unreliable like Jake mentioned sometimes it takes a couple messages to be sent out or they don't get scheduled appropriately because the message might fail or what other kind of issue and it also does cost the school money I heard that it costs around 50 cents per message and if that gets sent to hundreds of other students that can really add up to expenses and uh, we really just needed a solution that is more reliable and more cost efficient for the school and there's a little more background to this as well i remember during our last fall term at the school the it club had a group of students uh, programmers specifically my, like myself and we were planning on building a south hills app but we never really got around to it. Some of us second years didn't have the mobile development classes yet. And the only steps we really did were 
uh, creating repositories on GitHub to push the project to. But other than that, no one really took the time or the initiative to build the app. But that's where I'm at today. That's what I'm trying to do for a capstone project, just to get something functional and something useful for the school and for the students. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. And uh, like you mentioned, the cost per message, Jake had mentioned we've at times received multiple messages, like three or maybe even four. And if that gets pushed out to everybody, that's really, really adding to their expenses. And so the fact that you're trying to make something for them that's free and that's for the school is something really good. Well, we got a few more questions. Yeah, and so I know that you'd been we'd been talking about how you had used uh, or you'd been developing on iOS and you'd been using Xcode. And so what exactly, obviously, you're developing for multiple platforms. So what resources are you really utilizing for this project, Aaron? So like what sort of programming languages are you using, uh, different software applications, all sorts of tools and things that you're using? Well, keep in mind, the students will not only be having like iPhones and using iOS devices, they'll be using Android devices as well. Like, for example, I just use a Samsung Galaxy for my uh, mobile phone. So I'm using Android Studio to build the Android version of the app, and I'm using Xcode to build the iOS version. Each, I'm using uh, the Java programming language and Swift, respectively. Java, it's just a language that I'm familiar with. We were taught it. Uh, last year and it's it was able to be used for Android Studio so that's kind of what I stuck with and Xcode it like I said it utilizes it utilizes Swift which we got familiar with last term and it is a simple language to pick up on there's a few tricky parts to it but so far I've been able to make it work and there's a couple other tools that I've been using as well for example Google Firebase Firebase is a set of developer tools that developers like me can use to enhance their applications like say provide analytics or provide different functions like messaging or what have you all sorts of different stuff and the primary function for that that i'm using is cloud messaging so uh, once certain methods are added into the code projects for for the application then we'll be then we'll be able to go to the console create messages and then send them out and as long as they are up and running and they're functioning properly then boom little push notifications will come up for the application which is really the prime like the prime focus of this project it doesn't cost any money right now there's three different plans when it comes to firebase right now i'm on the spark plan which provides cloud messaging for free which is very handy certainly saves all of us money and uh, yeah, it's been really useful so far for this project. It sounds like you're using a lot of really, really nice utilities. And it sounds like a really, really cool project so far. So obviously, it's not been all easy for you. I can definitely see that. I know you've hit some roadblocks. So you want to kind of outline some of those? Oh, sure thing. <laughs> I think probably one of my biggest issues was just implementing the different Firebase methods. It does seem like it gets updated here and there pretty frequently, at least based on the different resources that are checked out. And so I've had to, to implement different Firebase methods for receiving messages and push notifications. I did have to check out a quick YouTube tutorial and it looked like it was like the methods that were being used were a bit outdated. So I did have to accommodate for that accordingly. But after that was all taken care of, the app worked fine. 
the Android version is able to work well. And there's still a couple of tweaks I need to make to it, but right now it's in good shape. Right now, uh, mostly with uh, iOS development, setting up Firebase messaging for that is a lot trickier compared mm -hmm. to Android. Android, all you have to do is put a certain method in the right location, make sure it works, and then it works. But for iOS, it involves signing up for certain certificates and making sure that you have correct developer account. Uh, I haven't even really gotten a chance to look into the code that goes into processing a message. I'll probably be working on that throughout next week. But yeah, it's been causing me a little bit of a headache, but hopefully I'll be able to manage that with the uh, time being. Yeah, that, that definitely sounds like sounds like you got some more ahead of you. But how far actually are you into your project then? Do you want to kind of like tell the audience about that? Well, certainly. Well, right now the Android version of the project is in good shape, like I mentioned. Uh, whenever you you can open the app, it has it has the different tabs that students can use. There's a home tab that just explains what the app can do and you know what the different tabs do. There's a schedule tab that can cycle through different class times. That way, if say you have a two-hour delay schedule, you can just click the schedule a couple times and mm -hmm. uh, it'll show you the right schedule. And there's a resource tab as well. So maybe if students want to check out their grades or hop onto the South Hills website or check their email, they can do so just by going to the tab and clicking on the right button. And there's also the location tab, which is where all the magic really happens. So it consists of a couple switches. So if a user clicks on a switch, a method will run that will allow them to subscribe to a message topic in Firebase. So that way, if you only want to send messages to say the State College campus or the Altoona campus, then subscribing to a certain group will allow them to only receive messages from those campuses. Now, that won't entirely exclude them from receiving all messages because Firebase does allow you to send to all devices if you really need to. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's really a useful tool. That way you don't have to have such an influx of messages. At some point, I'll be going through the Android version, cleaning it up, adding comments to code, just making sure that I follow good coding practices. And uh, yeah, that's how it's going for that. The iOS version, it is modeled very closely to the Android version currently. There's a couple things with auto layout that I'll still need to work with, but other than that, it's in pretty good shape. Like I said earlier, I'll have to work on implementing the Firebase methods, which is gonna take a lot of time, which will require plenty of different uh, certificates and whatnot, like I mentioned. But after that is up and running, then hopefully we w I will have two working platforms for the app and that would be awesome. I also did sign up for the Android developer accounts and Apple developer accounts. That way, once the apps are good to go, once they're in perfect shape, then I can get them pushed out to the app stores. And then it'll be pretty much it. I'll just have to uh, test it a whole bunch as well, get the word spread around, and just make sure the whole student body and administration body knows that the app's out there and that it functions like a dream. I'm really excited to see your app, and I'm really excited to go ahead and download it whenever you do get it pushed out to the App Store. Noah, do you have any additional questions for Aaron about his project? I had one. Um, it's just something I kind of wanted to know. What exactly would the app look like for, say, the administration who sends the push notifications? How exactly do they do that? Well, that's actually pretty easy, Noah. So what I'm planning on doing, the 
The mobile app itself will look the same for everybody, whether it be student administrator or just student in general. If someone wants to send a message, then that's pretty simple as well. They would have to hop onto the Firebase console, select the project, in this case it would be the South Hills Mobile Alert project, and then they would have to navigate to the Grow tab, which features cloud messaging. And once you're in the cloud messaging dialog box, you can create a new message. Then when you're in there, you can give it a title, designate what the message will say. You can pick out what topic to send the message to, just basically what group will receive the message. And then you can schedule it for a certain time, whether it be now, which would be preferred for in this case, or maybe on a certain day of the week. And there's a few other optional features, but they're not super required for this project. And once you hit review and publish, then boom, your, your message will be sent to whoever is subscribed to the designated topic. That's pretty great. And I'm just thinking about it. I'm seeing some other uses too. Like maybe um, there's something happening at the school and it's going to happen on this date. They can send out notifications on certain dates to inform people of what's going to happen. Absolutely. That's kind of like what would be incorporated with sending to all devices. So let's say career fair comes up or some kind of event going on, like they could just simply send it out to all devices regardless of what topic they're subscribed to. And another thing I need to mention is I will have to invite certain individuals like the directors of the school or certain administrative staff into the project as well. That way they'll be able to create messages as well. That way it's not just me behind all the messages, but everyone can input and have a say on what's going on or like let their students know if there's a delay going on. So yeah, there's a lot of options that will be put into this. So Aaron, when you actually kind of invite the administrators of the school and all the different people that need to be involved, are there actually specific roles in the Firebase console that you assign based on the user that then, you know, they can send out specific messages or they have specific permissions of things that they're allowed to do? There actually is. I'd have to take another look at them soon. But right now, my current role is as an owner for the project. So I'm able to do whatever I need to do within the project. I did invite the director of the State College campus as an owner. I don't know some of the other capabilities of, say, the editor or the other smaller roles because I'm not sure if it'll restrict their accessibility with creating cloud messages. Mm-hmm. But I will definitely test that at some point just to make sure no one has too many roles when it comes to the project. But yeah. Aaron, is there anything else that you'd like to tell us about your project? I think I've covered just about everything I I need to. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today. It was really a pleasure. It was really awesome to hear about your project, and I can't wait to see where it goes. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jake. It was a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening in, and thank you for taking this ride on the IT Superhighway. Highway.